This is the Tabernacle Podcast with John Vermilia and me, Brendan Bishop. What's up, John? It's deer season. It is. Are you in it? I am in it. Yes. Had something new happen. Okay. I have a grunt call. Okay. And I thought it was just shenanigans. But two days ago, I used it to call in a buck. He wasn't a shooter, but I called him in. That's awesome. Was yeah. It, did yeah. you see him before you did it or was it like a blind, uh, just hit the ground? I saw him. And Well, I, I'd done it before. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he'd, he'd respond right. to that, but I saw him in the distance and did the little brap, 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 or whatever. Yeah. You know, just like you see in the YouTube yep. videos and the hunting shows. Come on, <laughs> That's John. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. And the bro turned around and came back and he made like a big circle around. And so it was just fun to watch. That's him. awesome. Yeah. We are uh, also joined today by the one and only Adam Sharp. What's up, bro? We used a grunt call to bring yeah. Adam in. <laughs> it worked. Brah, brah, Something like that. Love it. Yeah. Have you ever used a grunt call? No. Do you use a rattle bag? No. Do you hunt? Rarely now. Rarely? But when I do, I just sit in the tree. You just sit in the tree. <laughs> He's that guy. Just wait for him to come. <laughs> just man, sitting yeah. in That's a tree. I don't, think, I don't think Seth listens to our podcast all the time. Seth Bush, our campus pastor in Manistee. But I remember one day I was talking to his wife, Heather. And she's like, she hunts, does all the stuff. And she goes, I, I haven't told Seth, but usually I just take a book and just sit in the tree and read. So he has to watch the girls while I'm out here for a little while. Uh, <laughs> it's perfect a, alone time. Yeah, that's, that's what it really is. That's all she uses woman. it for. It's relaxing. Benji's been in a tree stand. Benji's oh, Benji's bow hunting this year. Yeah. How's that going? How's the new bow, all that, figuring it out? Yeah. Have you schwacked yourself in the arm yet? Mm. No? Those are good when you're not paying attention. And you're he's like, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's good. There hasn't been a ton of movement behind. Actually, there's been a ton, but I keep scaring him. <laughs> yeah, he busts him coming in, and oh. so I'm like, "You got to get up earlier." <laughs> he told me this morning, "I don't want to." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Which is uh, so you got to go at night. Sooner or later, late season, you just gotta just shoot a doe. Just to get yeah. one under your belt with your bow. There's nothing better. Some meat in the freezer. Yeah. Nothing better. Mm-hmm. I, my brother has a shirt that says, make shooting does great again. <laughs> <laughs> your so, brother is a bona fide redneck. Oh, as redneck as they come. I call, every time I and call he's him, it's awesome. about fishing. Oh, yeah. Adam met him officially. Yeah. Got to he's great. sit at dinner with him, ride yep. in the truck, do all yeah. the things. It was good. It's a good time. <laughs> Britain had to translate for me. Uh, I, don't talk like my Yeah, phone? I couldn't understand what you were saying. Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. apparently I talk like him when I'm around him is what you do, Adam you, told you, me. Yeah, you, your accent comes out more. <laughs> you get it's like if John ends up at John's in Haiti. And yeah, you're like, oh, that's I can cool. still understand <laughs> you. I couldn't understand Bub at all. <laughs> I love it. He's no currently flooding Haiti. a field, and I have probably received – 15 to 20 videos of the same thing that he's so excited about. <laughs> it's just him flooding something. And it's like the first one really did everything I needed it to do. Like I didn't need another video of water, of water Why coming out of the field. It's for ducks. Oh, he's fired up. Changed oh, his, changed his TikTok it. name to the preserve. And I'm like, goodness gracious. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, awesome. Love it. Good. Well, I don't think he listens to the podcast either, but it's that time of year again. And we're here. Uh, we're back in our Seek First um, kind of sub-series, whatever you want to call it, um, for the podcast. And uh, last week, you guys um, hosted Josh Sprunger, and he talked about Seeking First in our finances, and uh, that was an awesome episode. Excellent guest. Yeah, awesome. That guy's a smart guy. Yeah. And Love funny, Josh. too. 
Oh, yeah. But a little intimidating, let's just be honest. <laughs> when you talk to J- Josh, <laughs> he is locked the on. Best eye no matter you've where ever you seen. go, he's staring into your financial soul. Yeah, he knows. <laughs> he knows. He knows I went five dollars <laughs> over on my eating out yeah. budget. He knows I didn't pick up that penny <laughs> on the sidewalk. <laughs> he sees it. Yeah, he knows. Sorry. He knows. Sorry. He knows Josh the clothes awesome. I'm wearing weren't in the budget. <laughs> <laughs> love uh, love Sprunger. Um, but uh, yeah, so today um, we're gonna jump back into. Uh, that kind of seek first. And today we are talking about um, one that isn't as, I don't know, I think we did two really tough ones back to back. When you think about seeking first, I think these are the places that I think at a time seeking first in my personal intimacy with Jesus, like, yeah, everybody will listen to that one. But then you get into the, how do I seek first in my finances? And people are like, hold on, that's personal. <laughs> and, right. then, and then I think today's uh, also falls kind of in a similar vein of how do we seek first in our pain how do we seek first in our pain and so i decided to bring mine with me um <laughs> glad, to be, here, no just yeah. glad <laughs> to be here the feelings mutual <laughs> exactly we brought each uh, other's yes. pain yeah. yeah yeah that's i think the other youth pastors in our group message just because all we'll do is argue with each other in a group message with like 10 people and they're like can you guys just text each other yeah <laughs> we'll be sitting that they don't it's realize way more fun. sitting next yeah. to each other when we're yeah. doing it it's so. much better with an audience yes <laughs> sweet how do we seek first in our pain i've got an excerpt here um from gotquestions.org, who um, we all know we are ordained by here at the Tabernacle. (laughs) (laughs) and uh, just easy go-to. Yeah. yeah. And so I think this would be a good uh, starting point, and then we can rip from there. Uh, While not specifically stated in the Bible, medically we know that pain is a gift. Without it, we would not know what we need Medi- what we when we needed medical attention. In fact, the absence of pain is one of the problems associated with leprosy. Children who never learned that touching a hot stove is a bad idea, nor would we be alerted to a dangerous medical condition without the pain associated with it. Spiritually speaking, one of the benefits of pain expressed by James, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. According to James, when we endure painful trials, we can take joy in knowing that God is at work in us to produce endurance and Christ-like character. This applies to mental, emotional, and spiritual pain as well as physical. So, John, yeah, how do we seek first in our pain? Well, I think what you just read um, is actually a great place to jump off from because pain is, according to the Bible, pain is also a gift. So if the way we were created— uh, which is to alert us to danger to our body. Um, you know, pain, whether it's emotional pain, physical pain, spiritual pain, relational pain, pain about the anxieties that we face, right? The whole context of Matthew six thirty three is, you know, Jesus said, uh, or he started the passage by saying, do not be anxious about anything, and then gives us all the reasons why God cares for us. But then he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God's going to take care of things. Mm -hmm. He doesn't guarantee the pain will go away. But um, in Philippians uh, chapter 1, which is the most joyful, uh, I think, New New Testament book, or at least one of the most joyful ones, which Paul wrote, by the way, from prison, right? And and all of Philippians about rejoice and be thankful and – So in chapter 1, right around verse 27, um, the Bible instructs us, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. 
So whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. So he, he, he starts out by saying, no matter what you're facing, live a life or live your life in a manner that's worthy of the God you represent, the gospel that you believe in and that you represent. And then here's this verse, verse 29, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. So it's been granted to you as if it's a gift, it's a favor, it's a blessing. And, you know, for me, it's very difficult to see pain as a gift. Yeah. But in some ways, it is a gift. And so with this passage, we got to unpack why. Why would it be a gift? I think it's related to what he said at the beginning. Uh, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's any anytime we're talking about pain and suffering and and tragedies and stuff like that. The I think the first question that I typically get is, well, why? Why would God allow that to happen? Why would God let it happen? Or or why would God make that happen? Is how some people will, yes. will phrase it. And so, I think that's got to be a starting point of broaching this conversation of okay, how do we seek first in our pain? Is understanding the why. Um, and for me, and the stuff that I the pain that I've gone through. The why is not one. I want to say God didn't make that happen. God uses the pain that we're in, but God didn't create the pain and and the chaos and the sin in the world that causes our pain. Uh, We live in a fallen, broken world. That's the reason why there's pain. That's the reason why there's suffering. It's because of us. It's, I mean, if you think about even today, the pain that you experience, and I, I can look at my life and this is true, all the pain that I've experienced is due to the choice of myself or somebody else, right? It's, it's sin that, that causes it. And so why? But then, so if we understand that, okay, God didn't make that happen, well, why would he allow it? And that's something that I've had to wrestle with more than the first question of going, okay, I, can, I understand that God didn't make those things happen, but why would God allow it? <clears throat> and, and I don't know if this is exactly where you were going, JV, but... Um, as I think about it, our pain, you, you've said our pain is a gift or can be a gift. Um, God uses our pain in tremendous ways to draw us closer to him mm. if we allow it because we have a part to play too on are we going to seek him, mm. which is what we're talking about today. Uh, if we allow God use, to use our pain, it, it can definitely, can absolutely be a gift. It's maybe hard in those moments, right, of when I'm, when I'm currently in the, in the struggle and in the pain for you to go, don't worry, Adam, this is a gift. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's probably not the right time. Or you could get punched in the face. Exactly. Um, yeah. But looking back, I can see that God used it as a gift, right? Mm. All those, those things. And um, I think when, when we are, our pain, our suffering oftentimes put us, puts us in a really vulnerable place. Mm. And when we are at our most vulnerable I believe that God's power can move most freely in our lives because that's when most of my walls come down. That's when I'm just going, you know, it's like most people when he's, like they hit rock bottom. Right. And now they're willing to put in the work to, to figure something out. Right. Um, but I think, yeah, I think understanding the why first is really important and, and knowing that God doesn't, 
in my opinion, what I believe, God doesn't make those things happen. Sin made those things no, happen. No, I think I think you're 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 safe to say that's what we <laughs> believe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. God God's not the author of evil. Right. right. He's not the author of pain, but he does allow it. I think the problem with the with the question why is we don't fully know those answers. Yeah. yeah. We don't fully uh, and we may not know what all the whys. We can know some of the whys. You know, I can glean from this passage that it isn't just to bring me closer to God, although that is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. It's also uh, because, well, let's unpack that. How how do we draw closer to God in the midst of pain? Well, I have to trust him more. Yeah. I have to depend on him more. Part of it is exactly what you said. It's I have to surrender my right to be God of my own life. Mm. You know, when uh, – uh, so, so um, I have not one but two student drivers in my house right now. Do you know how hard it is to sit in the front right seat <laughs> with someone that you're not sure knows that you're supposed to stop at this stoplight? <laughs> it is – now, it isn't pain. It isn't pain. And full disclosure, Benjamin's an excellent driver. All right. Um, but at the same Wait, time – there was two. There's two. We, we don't have to go there. But, but hey, 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 she's doing well. She's doing very well. But I'm not sure that either one of them know – that this light's about to turn right. red and semi-trucks are coming the other way and they're going to take me out first, <laughs> yeah. right? And have I been nice enough to this kid that he or she wants to stop at this light <laughs> or let dad get taken out first, right? And so so in pain, we're not in control is, yeah. is what I'm – someone yeah. else – or we're – We've actually never been in control, but it heightens the sense like when I'm out of control because, you know, you said something. Yeah, pain is caused by my sin or the sin of others, but sometimes it's not. Mm. Sometimes it's cancer. Mm. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, a heart attack. There's just someone in our church whose wonderful, godly father just suddenly died of a heart attack. You know, that's pain. Come on, God. Could we have five more years? Could he have seen his youngest grandchild, right. walk, you know, get get married or whatever and so, so being out of control, it forces me to depend on God more, to depend on his love, to depend on his trust. But according to this passage, it's also to somehow in the midst of pain, point others to him, yeah. I think. Yeah, I, I think the, the verses, like the, the scriptures that are like coming to mind that are continuing to like flash as you guys are talking is one, I think provides uh, like pain provides for us an opportunity to experience the fullness of what it says in James that when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. I think as you talk to people and have conversations about during that time of my life or whatever, you know, coming out of it, you talk to people um, and they're like, yeah, I was never, I've never been closer to Jesus than I was in that time. And I think like hindsight's twenty twenty because you step out of it and in the moment you probably didn't feel very close to Jesus or whatever it is. But I think that there's a reality that none of us are in control even right now mm-hmm. in the midst of good, right? Mm-hmm. None of us are in control. And I think the only issue is we can believe the lie or be deceived enough to think that when things are going well, we're in control. But ultimately, God's in control of all of that. And whether he chooses um, wherever we're at in that, the the reality, he doesn't change based off our circumstances. I think it's gospel Mm -hmm. ladder, all that stuff. But I think it can be harder to notice how close you are to Jesus in those times. And I think the most spiritually mature people I know are the ones that despite their circumstance, their intimacy remains the same. Right. Um, And those are the people that you can really glean from. But I think like the the passage in James, it says – um, when you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Um, 
that's something that comes to mind because I think that's what Paul had figured out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you read Philippians and you're like, this guy's full of crap. Like he's in a prison cell and he's telling me with joy I write to you. You're not a little pissed. Like you're, you're telling <laughs> yeah. me you're not a little Just mad a right little now. Bit, yeah, yeah. Like, you're in prison. Yeah. yeah, and so I think that the reality that Paul had settled into is I'm not in control of any of this, but I can control my response. There you go. And yeah. so I'm going to choose joy, like the Book of James says. I'm going to consider it pure joy. I'm going to count it joy. That doesn't mean it's joyful. You can, I think that you can experience joy. And still be anxious. I think mm. you can experience joy and still be scared. I think you can experience joy and still be hurting, because joy is a choice. It's not an emotion that we get, and that's a, that's happiness. But I think that joy is a choice, and Scripture makes it clear that we can consider it joy. I look right here in Romans chapter five that says, "And not only here we go. I'm just going to read a bunch of it. Buckle up. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith." We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and we have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions, because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And you got to keep going because even though there's a stop, you got to read it, right? For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Mm-hmm. And I think that all of that points to the fact that there's a choice involved in this. And it might feel like you're out of control. It might feel like... You, you you might not be able to control your situation or your circumstance, but you can control your response. And I think we can learn that from Paul in his writing of Philippians, and he wrote it right here in Romans. Peter writes about it later on in one of his um, epistles. But it's it's all of this is just you have a choice in this matter within your pain, and I think it is that which is I'm going to continue to draw near to God. I'm going to continue to to try to choose joy, to try to rejoice, to try to boast. What does that even mean, to boast in my afflictions? I'm going to, I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do everything I can to seek and do all those things. And so, yeah, I don't know. Those are the first thoughts that come to my mind within all of that. Yeah, those are good thoughts. There's, there's, you know, we can read verse after verse. Jesus said yeah. in John, uh, I think it's 633, he says, uh, I've told you these things that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. There's a promise. Yeah. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So some of it, the reason I think Paul can write that way mm-hmm. and the reason that Jesus says this thing, like like think about it. He says, in this world you'll have trouble. That's pain. Yep. That's suffering. You're going to hurt. You're going to be disappointed. And pain's relative to you, yeah. right? It's it's like there's some people ignore, well, you know, I just had a few disappointments, but I haven't lost a loved one. Pain is pain. Mm. Whatever it is, whatever you're struggling. So he goes, in this world, you will have trouble. But he doesn't say, take heart, I'll remove all your pain. Mm. No, he says, take heart, I've overcome the world. Uh. And so it's like Jesus is saying that a little bit is about perspective. Mm. And so if we wrap all these around, like, like, or, or try to tie all the threads together just a little bit, is in the midst of my pain, which Jesus promised I'm going to have, we're saying I have an opportunity to draw close to God here, to depend on him more, to trust him more, um, to believe in him more, to know that he loves me despite 
I don't understand all the whys. I mean, think about Job for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah. Tab family, Tab podcast family, if you haven't read the book of Job, that's a fun Saturday afternoon, yeah. <laughs> right? It's just pain, 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 pain. And we never really get the outcome yeah. except that Job at the end draws closer to God. He doesn't yeah. really get his answers. He asks all these questions of God, and then God says, who is this that darkens my counsel? <laughs> who is this that's asking me questions? Where were you when I made everything? And then he asks like a hundred. you the sea monster. And yeah, like, yeah. Why is that in there? Yeah, yeah. then he asks like a hundred questions. Messy's real. That yeah. no human being can answer. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and, which and, are what youth kids love to ask their exactly. youth pastors. Like, <laughs> yeah. Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? And they're like, no. <laughs> no, 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 neither do you. Yeah. Right, right. So – so pain can draw me closer to God, but pain can also point others to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there's just two examples. I mean, instead of just reading people verses all day, story time. Love it. I'm leading a missions trip. This is uh, 25 years ago. Man, I'm old. Yeah, 25 years ago. Yeah. You were two. <laughs> you weren't on that trip. But uh, um, it's a bunch of high school students, um, juniors and seniors, soccer players, and we're on a missions trip. And- We'd done a trade. So, so I'm the director of this trip. There's about 64 people total. And, um, and the whole point is we're trying to point people to Jesus by the way we are on the field and off the field, right? And that was all of our training because all these kids are Christian kids and they grew up in the church and they know Bible verses and they're all into it. And, you know, and it's like the way we play and the way we treat officials, the way we treat fans, the way, you know, we're going to play to win, but, you know, the whole thing is a mission. So this one kid, and I knew this kid, and I knew this kid was full of himself, right? But he, he talked a really big game about, yeah, we're just here to minister and be an assault and be in light and be an example until he got hurt. And I'm up in the stands. I had other people doing the coaching and all that kind of stuff, and he gets hurt bad, and it was a fair challenge. He's on the field. This really happened. He's screaming in pain. But in his screaming, he's, he's yelling at the kid that he'd collided with. And he's rolling there and everyone's around him. The trainer's on the field. Uh, his mom was actually part of our support staff and dad and they're on the field. So mom and dad are there. Trainer's there. The coach is there. He's rolling around. He did it on purpose. Oh, oh, he did. I mean, just he's making an absolute scene. And the whole place is quiet. The, the Swedish dude that he ran into is almost in tears because he can see he's hurt bad and it 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 was an honest challenge and it's going and I just feel like the Nick everyone knows we're a Christian team and I just felt the testimony just dropping you know like air in a tire what is the overall con- like opinion of Christians in the not good. you guys are in okay not good yeah not good right and so I don't know if this was right or wrong but I knew that his response, I knew he was in pain, but I knew his response was wrong by what was coming out of his mouth. I get up out of the stands, walk all the way down to the field, walk onto the field right around this huddle. I'll never forget it. I don't know if it was right. I slapped my hand right over his mouth and I got right in his ear and I said, take the pain, take it. And I took my hand off. (laughs) And his mom looked at me and the kid was like, (laughs) now you could call me heartless. Maybe that was heartless. Yeah. 
but that kid knew how to take the pain because he he didn't like he was still moaning and gro- groaning. But all the all the garbage mm. that he was throwing, it, it stopped. Mm. Now I don't know if God used that for his <laughs> sanctification or not. He thanked me later. Yeah, he thanked me later. But his mom was not happy with me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but and you worked with her. Right, yeah. it's like, yeah, she didn't get a letter. No, no, no. She no, watched no. it. Yeah. yeah, she watched. She was right there in the huddle. It's okay, Nathan. It's okay. Right. So I don't think that's the best approach. Is in the middle of someone's pain when they're just vomiting. Yeah. But there's something in now. If that's revisited on me, I expect one of you guys to put your hand right over my mouth and take the pain, Johnny. Take it. Right? But Jesus promised we're going to have pain. It's how we respond that's what either points people to Jesus or it doesn't point people to Jesus. And that's a hard thing to do, man. Yeah, to like view it as an opportunity. Right. Because in the midst of your pain, it's like this isn't like you don't think about – this is an opportunity for me to point people to Jesus. Right? Yeah. But you see that whenever people do respond well um, or in a way that honors Christ, often you'll hear people talk about like, man, when you did that, that told me everything I needed to know about right. blank. Right. And I'd expect him to be, you know, right. laying, you know, screaming and, and singing <laughs> praises to God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's but that's what Paul and Silas did in prison. Yeah, you know. So I'm, I'm I don't think we're putting something up there that's unattainable. Well, and that's what he acted like he was going to do. And I think that that's the reality too. Is like in the midst of hardship is when we really find out what's in there. <clears throat> right. Like Foster talks about from the mouth comes the overflow of the heart, and right. like it's really easy in the midst of of peacetime or whatever you want to call it, uh, to, to seek first, yeah, to, to feel and seem like you're doing everything Christ has called you to. But when you're in the prison cell, I think we found out Paul's mm-hmm. actual heart. Right. Right. I think we find out the reality of who Peter is now when he's writing in first Peter, um, and Nero's lighting everybody on fire and right. he's like, this is good. Right. And so I think that, uh, yeah, I think that hard times also can bring awareness Right. Of where you're at. Right. Because uh, I can think of there have been situations and circumstances in my life where, you know, you go through something difficult. Um, I think for me, like even in the span of me moving to northern Michigan and then COVID hits, call it whatever you want. But that was a little painful. Like Very it was painful. isolating. It was all of those things. And I think back like, man, two years ago, how would I have responded in this? But then instead, like in that moment. And I promise there have been plenty of times where I didn't respond the way I should have, but it was one of those like, okay, like God's going to use this. He's going to like, I, there's an op- there's an opportunity within this to point back to him, to rejoice in all of that. And I think that you can see maybe where you're at in your life, the fruit of your life, um, the reality of, of your discipleship in the midst of those hard times. Because when it's good, it's good. Right, everybody's marriage is good on vacation or on honeymoon. Maybe not vacation, I know, especially with kids. Uh, uh, but but everybody everybody's episode. marriage is good on the honeymoon or, or yeah. whatever you want to call it. Right? right, but when you're home and the medical bills due and rents due and you're without a job and, and someone's sick, someone's yeah. sick, and all of that, how's your marriage? Mm-hmm. Because that's the reality of actually how your marriage is. And I think that those are even within your relationship with Christ, when you're at church every week, when it's convenient, when the church has coffee, when they have my donuts, 
when my fight club isn't being challenged to break apart and go to other groups, when they just everything's happening and we have enough volunteers and the staff is doing everything, things are good. But then it's like, so what about when your fight club leader tells you, hey, guys, it's time, it's time for you up. to go start your own <laughs> fight clubs. And all of a sudden, every guy's like, I never wanted to do this anyways. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I thought I could trust you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've never seen more grown men. like, in, And it's painful. It's it hard painful. because there's a change yeah. coming. It's difficult. and uh, But I think you realize, were you actually in the, like, I don't know. Sorry. I'm ranting now. No. You talk. No, it's good. <laughs> I, I think you're, you're right on to something because I think we do a really good job of convincing ourselves that our relationship with God is great. And that we're doing all the things we're supposed to do. And then when the time of pain comes, you're right. It, it can be a, a realization period of, man, I'm not. Hmm. I haven't been getting aggressive with my faith. I haven't been doing the things. I've been going through the motions and taking the steps because that's where I was. Hmm. Right? Samantha and I, our marriage was great. Um, had a child. Came to church somewhat regularly. You know, it was, it was a part of our lives, but it wasn't a big part of our lives. But if you'd have, if you'd asked me and like, yeah, we're, we're good. Like we both believe in Jesus. We go to church, but that was the extent of my relationship with God. That was the extent of, of me. Uh, what I've been saying lately to students and to young adults is getting aggressive with my faith. Um, <clears throat> but then when the, the tragedy happens, um, and I've shared my story on here before, uh, but I'll share a little bit of it again if, if people haven't heard it. There, you know, <clears throat> my my nephew took his life uh, at 14, and that kind of and it shattered a lot of people. Right, um, the world, our world, got turned upside down, and and it was in that moment that one, I I now realize my relationship with God wasn't that strong because I began to question everything. But the day before that, I would have said, "Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm good." I know where I'm going when I die. I'm good. Fast forward to the day after. It's amazing what just a moment can do. Mm. I'm going, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I know that there's a God, but is he good? Mm. Do I really know this God Mm. because he just let this happen? Do I trust him? Yeah, do I trust God? And and this process begins to happen, and it is a look in the mirror of going, okay, I'm not not where I actually thought I was. Um, And then this process begins to happen, this this. It can. You can choose to then start to seek seek God in that pain and that suffering, or you can choose to go the other way. And we've seen both happen, mm. right? All three of us at this table have, have been with people in the midst of chaos and tragedy and pain, and they don't choose to go towards God. They choose to, to sit in their pain or mm. to be angry with God or whatever it is. And, and if you're listening to this and you are angry, like maybe life has not been kind to you right now if you're angry— that's okay. It's an emotion. Um, it's normal. But the question then becomes, what are you going to do in that anger? Yeah. When you found yourself kind of, I mean, because you've stepped, you're far enough removed now, maybe you have yeah. a little bit more perspective. What did the next moments, months, um, years even look like in the midst of like that, that moment has, has come, <coughs> it's kind of brought a new reality, a new awareness mm-hmm. Like what was kind of your response and how the heck did you get here? And you don't have to do your whole change <coughs> life story, but yeah. I think there were some tactical, if yeah. you will, choices along the way yeah. that led to this that I think are important for people going through it now. I would say initially in the first weeks and probably months, there wasn't a lot of, of 
working on me at all. Hmm. It was just surviving the <laughs> the days, yeah. literally just surviving it and uh, being there for my brother and sister-in-law and niece and, and my wife and um, trying to be strong for them. And then I think after those those weeks and, and first couple months kind of went went by, um, then there was that moment for me of, first it was anger um, and confusion uh, and not knowing what to do. Um, but thankfully, uh, and, and again, I think we've talked about this on this podcast multiple times. Um, thankfully we, we were at least involved in a church, um, somewhat. And, you know, John, you had invited uh, my brother to fight club and, and because of that invited me too. <clears throat> and, uh, the tactical, practical first thing that I did was just get involved with, with that. Just show up. Um, and it's funny because I remember that first night. I and did I, too. I, I thought, didn't want to be there. I thought going to kill me. <laughs> I didn't, I, like. I also thought the first thing. Yeah. Right, when I met him, yeah. I was just going to kill uh, me. It's my face. I'm just ugly. Um, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't necessarily want to be there. I wanted to go because I told you that I would go. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the night came and I was like, I don't want to be there. I'm not going to say a word. I'm just going to go. I'm going to sit and whatever it is. And then that night though, and I'm trying to remember how long after, uh, Caden passed that, that was about a month, a month. Okay. So I think it was that night that really the process for me started the Mm -hmm. grieving process, the, the process of actually seeking, Mm -hmm. um, because that's, that's the night that I just said out loud that I was angry. Yeah. I'm just angry. Yeah. I didn't even know who you said, or hey, what. I didn't, at the very end, <clears throat> you said something to the effect of, I didn't really want to come. Yeah. Um, I think I'm supposed to be here, but I realize I'm really angry. Yeah. And, and, and that, that process, um, and just using that as an example, yeah. I think it is important to have people with you mm-hmm. in your pain that are also pulling in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say it's going to be okay, because I don't believe we ever said that. I no. think the response you get was good. You've yeah. at, at least you've identified the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you're a human. You should be angry right now. Yeah. The question is, and the process was, who are you going to be angry at? Yeah. Um, because the easiest target is God. Yeah. And, and God's okay when we get angry. It isn't, it isn't a sin to be angry. It's do you sin in your anger? Right. And for some people, they can't put the pieces all together and it's all God's fault, whatever it is that I'm going through. And he could have stopped this. He could have fixed this. He didn't. I'm done. Hmm. And if we're isolated, then it's easy to listen to those. For that to become your reality. Yeah, yeah. right. You know, one, one of the cool things about, well, one of the many cool things about the Bible is it doesn't skirt around the issue of pain. People mm-hmm. who think that the Bible is just all happy and clappy. And we read a lot of verses that are happy and clappy. Boast in your weakness. Rejoice in your pain. You know, three times I asked God to take the thorn away from me. And he said, mm-hmm. my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And, well, you know, if you dig deep enough. Also, um, sorry. Sorry. Okay, I'll, go, go and then I'll so, go. Yeah. So here's a couple of scriptures. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 1, 2 through 4. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen or cry out to you? Ecclesiastes, again, I looked, I saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they have no comforter. Psalm 10, 
Verse 1, why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalm 22, verses 1 through 2, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, and I find no rest. I could go all the way down this list, but that Psalm 22, David wrote that song. Jesus quoted it from the cross in his moment of pain. Mm -hmm. And so the problem of evil is the oldest apologetics question. It is the central question of, you know, in fact, when I took my apologetics 101 class in seminary, uh, what are you going to do your paper on? The problem of evil and Mm -hmm. with like 15 other students because I wanted to solve it and I wanted to, that was my research paper, the whole deal. And really in sitting with you and your brother during those months, during that year of Mm -hmm. being in Fight Club, it was like, oh, that's why I did that paper. I've suffered pain, not to levels that you have had. But these answers are in the Bible because it doesn't skirt from pain. It says pain is real. But what the Bible does do is not just draw attention to it and say, oh, you're going to have it. It's just part of it. It also offers the only solution to all of our pain. The story of the Bible, God created everything and it was good. We sinned mm-hmm. and that's where pain came from. That's where suffering All of it, not, not just the sin that, um, that I perpetrate or is perpetrated against me, but it's also cancer. It's also natural disasters. It's also Mm -hmm. disease, random accidents, you know, T-bones at an intersection. Uh, it's life cut short, but the Bible also offers the only solution. This is why Jesus died. Jesus died to pay for the pain. Even for the people, and I don't even know if this is theologically correct, you blame God, that's fine. He died on a cross to pay for it. He died on a cross to pay for all the pain. And then we're left with, to who else do we go? Hmm. To, to, to whom else should I go? Yeah. It's, it's either, either there's a God and he's sovereign or there's not a God or there is a God and he's not sovereign. Well, if God is not a sovereign God, what good is he? So he's got to be sovereign. Where else, where else do I go? Yeah. And so now it's just controlling me. How am I going to respond? Is this going to draw me nearer to God? And can I point others to him? Or is it going to push me away? Am I going to isolate? Well, I think that's what we see in those New Testament responses from Paul, Peter, James, is those weren't guys that were living in peacetime, right? right. The context yeah. of those verses, when we read those, Paul's not writing that from a cruise ship. Right. The, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the reality of those verses he just didn't is hit the lotto. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like First Peter, when he says that we should count it or rejoice in our suffering because it's producing some. Don't be surprised when this trial rises up against you, um, when this fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ. He wasn't saying that as like a man, me and Steve just aren't getting along. No, Nero is lighting people on fire so he can see it as garden orgies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Peter's like, hey, guys, this is happening. How will we respond? And I think what you just hit on at the end is they've come to the realization that either there's a God or there's not. We're going to choose to believe that there is a sovereign God that is in control of everything. And we can either allow this to separate us from him or rejoice in so because it's bringing us closer to him. Mm-hmm. To him, We don't serve a God that didn't suffer. We, didn't, we don't serve a God that says, do as I say. We serve a God that says, do what I did. And like you said, Jesus came. He died. He suffered. He went through it. He took the beatings. And you have to think when Paul has taken <clears throat> the lashes, I mean, three times. Yeah. You don't think in those moments he's thinking, 
Jesus can do this. I got it. Right. I'm more, and I think that he he rejoices. He boasts. I think it's in Galatians at the end where he talks about his um, marks, or I think is in is that Galatians six. Um, I'm not sure, but he, but it's like I bear on my backs the yeah. marks of Christ. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think that's Galatians six, and it's like, or I bear in my body. Yeah, the marks and, of Christ. And it's like, dude went through it, but he decided he had the resolve in the midst of it. This is not a foreign concept to my God. Right. I serve a God that defeated this. He went through it and defeated it. He didn't separate himself from it. He didn't run away. He walked through it and he said, you can too. And I think that's the reality that we read in those contexts of all of those verses that can be weaponized and I think preached poorly at mm-hmm. times. That's right. Um, and I think that I'm don't. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. But I think the the reality of the, the, the men that are writing those scriptures, the men and women that are going through, I mean, when you read James, consider it pure joy. That's a pastor writing to his church. That is getting torn to pieces week in and week out. Chris Brown, a guy we love, story tells uh, James chapter one, and he talks about, you know, he'll take some liberties and stuff like that. But man, it brought it to life. He talks about, you have to imagine when he was writing this, you know how many times they probably heard the the hooves hmm. in the middle of their church service? Yeah. And the panic that went through their bodies when they came in and ripped them out of the service. And he's like, think about what these people are going through. And this is just a pastor writing to his church. Hey guys, it's going to be okay. Yeah. We're going to rejoice because the promises of God are enough. Don't chase your desires. Don't get distracted. Keep doing it. And it's like, man. Like so so you you said the is king. Yeah. And and when you said we hmm. just in that little yeah. example there. Um for anyone out there that is suffering or is facing some kind of pain, the tendency is for us to do it alone. And I don't think, well, I know the Christian life was not meant to be lived alone. That's why God gave us the church. I think to a certain extent, that is what you, Adam, um, that's what you experienced Mm -hmm. is you were a Christian, you and your wife, but you were doing it alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you had each other, but really you were, uh, you were dipping your foot into church when you needed church Mm -hmm. and you weren't in community. What happened is as a result of the pain, you could have stayed isolated, mm. but you found community. So just, just another sports example. Uh, we all played sports to some extent. I remember and dread, still with dread, the days that you knew you were going to face pain. Mm. Whatever it was, you know, for you guys punching each other in the face and, morning, but, you know, whatever runs, it was. February. Just, just some kind of brutal cardio thing, oh. you know. Um, you know, I'm thinking – some of the stuff that my coaches thought up was in in high school had to have been child abuse, oh. <laughs> right? It's um, illegal, coach. Yeah, it's going to be illegal. <laughs> college college was worse. At the pro level, forget it. It's like, and I'm here because I want to be. <laughs> you know, this is no longer paying for my school. I want to be. But, you know, you would see guys at all of those levels that – when they knew the pain was coming, they saw the suffering, mm-hmm. right? We're going to do the wind sprints. We're going to do the line drills. And you got to get back in this time. And you're not going to be able to walk. You're gonna, they're going to have to carry you off the field. I saw guys quit. Mm-hmm. You tell a great ser- sermon, or uh, yeah. I think it's an illustration in one of your messages, yeah. that a guy, after he fell down the 99th time yeah. or whatever in the ice at yeah. Fort Hayes, he quit. Yep. But what I remember is... When I'm standing on the line with all these guys, we're all going to suffer together. Yeah. And there was strength in that. Yep. 
And then after we survived it together, there's a bond that is formed For sure. that that uh, I can look back on that pain and it's like, man, I could have never done that alone. Well, I, I wouldn't have done it alone. <laughs> if it was me alone at 6 a.m. down in Charlotte, North Carolina, when the dew's on the ground and my feet are soaked and I can't take another step, I would have just called it a day. Yep. But when I'm there with 23 other guys and it's like, are we doing this? Our coach is a psycho. I guess we're doing this, <laughs> yeah. right? And and so there's something about being together. I think you see the same thing come out of mission trips um, within the church. Like I think, I mean, you could probably think back to those Haiti teams and the people oh, yeah. you saw go on that stuff and the bonds that come out of just something about mutual suffering. Mutual, we're going to suffer yeah, together. That brings you together. I mean, I even think about when we went to South Carolina with our students, and there wasn't. I mean, suffering might be a drastic overstatement, yeah. but some hard work. Yeah. Um, and for the reality of their life, for some of them really difficult. Some of them is like, man, this is awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's something to be said about when we came back, It, and at least in Manistee, I don't know about uh, in Buckley, but it was like, those kids are way closer than those kids over yeah, there are. because they've been through something together. And yeah, maybe it right. was just the fact that Britton and Adam chose the farthest away possible place and made them ride in the car <laughs> that they had one less seat than they needed. Uh, yeah. Everybody had a seatbelt, calm down. Yeah. Uh, but. <laughs> But I think there's something to be said about community and together yeah. and that mutual suffering and getting out of isolation because that's what the enemy wants. He yeah. wants people isolated. Yeah. He's yeah. Uh, That's what they always – there's like the, the thing every crazy aunt shares on Facebook that's like Satan's not scared of a big church. He's scared of a unified church. And Your it's like – I think Adam shared that with me. <laughs> is he the crazy yeah. aunt? He is kind of the crazy yeah. aunt in our group message. <laughs> <laughs> but, but to your point. I mean, if we go back to uh, the example that Adam brought up is um, I did not know your mm-hmm. nephew well. Mm-hmm. I had the privilege to baptize him and uh, I had conversations with him as he served at the hub and saw him at youth group or what have you. Um, and I didn't know you at all. Um, you said you came to this church. I don't ever remember seeing <laughs> your face, right? It's okay. Um, no, no, no. I, I know that you did. Mm-hmm. Um, I and, know. and I didn't know your brother, Bill. But you two guys in that fight club, although I didn't have the same pain, I mean, it was painful to walk through that, you know, the mm-hmm. funeral, the, the, um, the you came that night, you know, the, yeah, I was there that night, you know, you, you both begin to let me in. Yeah. And then during the course of our relationship at fight club, you let me in further. We called it overtime. Yeah. You know, when all the weak links went home at 10 and we were there till midnight yeah. or one, I think one night Bill's wife actually brought us chicken wings Beat ups. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. at like 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, this is the best <laughs> overtime fight club ever. It's yeah. catered, right? <laughs> but you had a choice to either let me in or not let me in. Yeah. And so I was able to share in the pain because we just didn't talk. We cried together mm-hmm. and I felt it. So uh, kind of allowing me in to your point, these are two of my best friends in Northern Michigan now. Yeah. You know, yeah, for sure. I, and what you all right, go ahead. I was I, like to that point, like, yeah, getting in community is incredibly important, but you're also going to have to be willing to be vulnerable and be weak mm-hmm. in those, in that, yeah. in that, within that community. And, and I say be weak because that's how it feels to us, especially as men, but probably to women as well. When in reality, it's not weak at all. Hmm. It's, it's actually showing a lot of strength to be, to be vulnerable with people. Um, but there was, I was able to ask honest questions and to be real. And then, and maybe you're listening to this and you're, you're not the person that's struggling, but you're the person on the other side going, I'm trying to help this person. Mm. 
allow them to ask the hard questions. Allow them to ask the questions of, yes. of me going, hey, JV, um, if God is so good, why did he let this happen? Mm-hmm. You believe in, you trust in this God, why? And, and you don't have and to answer being, them all the time. And you, yeah. And you don't okay have just to say, yes. I don't know. You don't always <laughs> have to have all the answers. Yeah. But also, here's the lead, the lead pastor of this church, and he's not angry with me for being angry. He's, yeah. not, he's not upset with me for, for asking the questions. In fact, you encourage me to ask the questions because we're asking them with a genuine heart, wanting to like yeah. genuinely ask the questions of why. And, and it was, that was the process of us seeking, seeking God first yeah. in the midst of the pain. So on one side, if you're the person that's struggling, and, and again, and John, you mentioned this earlier, and I want to say it again, your pain is your pain, mm. right? And that was something that uh, your son-in-law, Jacob, mentioned in the fight club because when you had Bill and I and they're sharing, there'd be this moment afterwards where like nobody wanted to talk. Right, because they, they didn't feel like their yeah, pain held a candle. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's neither here nor there. Your pain is your pain. Your suffering is your suffering, and that's, that's okay. Um, so if you're in that spot, be willing to get in community and be willing to be vulnerable mm-hmm. when you're there. Yeah. But if you're on the other side of it, be willing to let them be vulnerable, <laughs> be vulnerable with them, and just allow them to ask the questions. And like you said, Britt, you don't always have to have the answers. Yep. It's yeah. just being there. Being there is huge. And, and it, you know, I want to be careful, but years and years ago, this is back before multi-site, before a new building, I'd only been a, you know, a lead pastor here just for a couple of years. And I get the call, a guy's lost a baby. And it was, mm-hmm. oh, just the worst. And some people might be listening and they probably know exactly what I'm speaking of. But, you know, this... This wasn't, I mean, this was like a two-year-old, almost two-year-old boy and the worst. I mean, just all, all funerals are difficult, but children, you know, Mm -hmm. teenagers, it's the worst. And this was the first one and there's no answers. There's absolutely no answers. You know, this, this is the one where, um, you know, I can remember someone, um, well, first of all, watching the parents' faith and, um, and during all of that time, um, they did try their best to draw near to God and to draw uh, or, or to point others to him. The mother's best friend uh, is or was an atheist. And um, as we're walking through this, um, you know, I can remember like a common theme of mothers within our church is they couldn't imagine coming to this funeral. Some of their best friends. Right. And um, actually, there was a moment right upstairs where there's a group of women that were in the lobby and wouldn't come in. They were there, but they wouldn't come in. You know, there's a casket, there's a baby in the casket, the funeral's about to start. And, um, you know, my wife is in the lobby going, hey, guys, the funeral's about to start. And several women said, I just can't go in there. You don't understand. I, I I just can't go in there at all. And my wife, who didn't want to be there, <laughs> said, uh, do you think the mother of this child wants to be there? You're you're some of her closest friends. Get in there. Mm. I was so proud of my wife at yeah. that moment, you know. So that's a response. Be there for her. Yeah. Um, I'm speaking later to the best friend uh, who's the atheist. Um, and I think this was at the wake. And um, when no one else was around, um, she said to me, so she goes, you're the, you're the pastor, huh, with all the God answers? Um, and I said, I, I don't know if I have any answers. And, and our, our responses have to be appropriate at the right time. Mm-hmm. 
So what I didn't do to the mother of the child is all of a sudden quote verses to her that, you know, God works everything together for the good of those that love him. That's true, but that's not the time, Right. right? Well, she's walked away now, and I'm just speaking to her friend who's the atheist who says, where is your good and loving God now? Where is, if, you know, if God is so good and God is so loving, where is he now? My response to her was different and it was very direct. And I said, um, I don't have all the answers. Um, but because I believe in God, I have hope. And I said, because you don't believe in God, all you have is dirt. Yeah. And, uh, those are two totally different responses. Right. One was just being there and listening. Yeah. One was just walking through that with her that I saw my, you know, my wife do and I saw our church do. And, and to be fair to those ladies in the lobby, I saw them rally and go in and then they were glad that they did. You know? But to this other person who's one degree separated, feeling it as well, that was the right time for that answer because mm-hmm. she ended up in church for the next three months yeah. looking for answers before she you know, had to move away. Yeah. So um, – you know, you'd said, Britain, out of the overflow of the heart, mm-hmm. the mouth speaks. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of one of the godliest, I think, guys that I know, uh, our own David Hoflinger. Mm-hmm. Um, he and Lindsay uh, lost a child. Yeah. Horrible tragedy. And we were all walking through that with them. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being at the hospital and – David, and I, I think it's okay to say this. Yeah. I, I think he said this publicly before. I know I said it at the funeral. Weeping, just absolutely um, crushed with grief. But then in the very next breath would, would start saying, but God is so good. Mm. How do you say that? Yeah. So, I mean, even yeah. now I get tears. Yeah. Remembering that moment, David was just expressing what was in his heart, the pain and this uh, belief that God is so good. Yeah. He yeah. was ministering to us, not yeah. on purpose, not on purpose. I mean, he wasn't here. I'm going to say something really um, spectacular that's going to impact you know, John and Britain right. or whoever was sitting in the lobby at that moment or sitting in the waiting zone. You know. Um, but I was just struck by that. Yeah. I didn't need to say a thing. Yep. Just, just be there. Yeah. Just being there and, and sharing in that suffering together. Now he's one of my favorite people. Yeah. I mean, he always was, but. Yeah, I, can, I can remember, um, I don't know if it was, it was probably, it was probably a couple of years actually after, after Caden had passed and uh, Bill and I were uh, working on my deck. We were redoing the deck and um, just the two of us out there swinging hammers and it's hot. Arguing, um, probably arguing, yeah. um, but I remember we just were talking about it all, and you know, Bill after after some time um, decided to get involved in youth group and and really get involved in the church and stuff like that. And I remember asking him, like, dude, how do you do that? Hmm. Like, how after what you've been through, and and I know the pain that he's still in. Uh, he and Melissa and our aunt, like, there's still pain. That's another thing. The pain is still there. It's going to be there. Okay. Um, he's still in pain. He's still dealing with the loss of his son. And I just remember asking him like, how, so how do you continue to do what you're doing and you're serving and you're, <clears throat> you're trying to make an impact? And he said, 
I remember the big picture. Mm. I remember the big picture. And the big picture is the gospel. Mm-hmm. The big picture is Jesus and that God is still good and that there is, there is still a God, that Jesus really did still die for us um, and that people need to know him. And, and, I just, and I think that's something that, you know, we talk about Paul writing from prison. I think that's what, I think that's a big part of Paul's journey is he remembered the big picture. He remembered the mission. He remembered the reason for his existence. And so I think there's a, there's a realization that happens that it's not all about us, mm. that it's about the gospel. Yeah. And so, and that's hard. And oh, that's, that's hard, and again, especially that's not, in the midst of it. Right. And that's not something like you said, I would say there's a time and a place. That's not something I would say to somebody that's currently in the midst of, of tragedy or pain or whatever their suffering is, is, well, hey, don't worry. It's not about you. <laughs> Your pain is about you. You feel it. Yeah. Um, but there's a big picture of the gospel, and that's how we can continue to have that hope. That's how we yeah. continue to right. to have that mission and to still be aggressive with our faith, yeah. um, that we can still get after it. And and it just, I don't know, that was a, I've never forgotten that. Yeah. That well, that statement. was Jesus in the garden too, right? So so he's, he's, uh, he's praying. He knows what pain he's going to face. And it's not just the pain of the beatings and the humiliation, and the nails, and the slow asphyxiation on the cross, mm-hmm. uh, the crown of thorns. Uh, the spe- I mean, it isn't just that. It's that he's going to be separated from God, yeah. which how that happened, wow, that's a mystery to us. How is God separated from God? But in that moment, right, and he's praying, he's sweating drops of blood, yeah. and he says, God, if there's any other way, but the perspective not my will, but your will be done. Yeah. And so I think you'd said it before, God knows our pain. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think you both said that. God knows what pain looks like. God knows what suffering looks like because he experienced it as yeah. a man. And so for us, that's a beautiful thing that Bill said because that is the perspective. You know, I'm thinking of another story, Tim, Tim Burgess. Uh, Pastor Tim here suffers with chronic, severe arthritic pain Mm -hmm. so much so that he's you know not a lot of people know this but he receives treatments that are kind of like going to a chemo and he's done different treatments over over all the years that i've known him and it's progressively getting worse and worse and worse and so he's feeling useless um he he struggles with buttons he's struggling to tie boots and then he's got to go up to wherever the specialist is and sit in a room and get these transfusion things and what he told me is somewhere in all of that, just it's suffering, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, not just physical pain, but it's a hassle and it costs money. And I'm just sitting here wasting my time. A switch flip for him. And he decided if I'm going to be here and, uh, and these are people that have nothing to do with the tabernacle. They're not in Buckley. They're not in Manistee. They're not in Cadillac. I'm going to use this time. And as Tim does. He starts getting in conversations mm-hmm. and conversations turn to, well, what do you do? Well, what do you do? Or building a relationship with, with, with this person who's here just to serve me, just doing a job. Hey, you're really good at the job that you do. How did you get into that? And then Tim becomes their favorite patient <laughs> because they're in conversation. Next thing you know, Tim's counseling. Next thing you know, mm-hmm. Tim's sharing the gospel. Now, he could have wallowed and just said, God, you know, I could be way more useful if I didn't have this. But he chose a perspective shift, and the shift was, uh, when I go to get treatment, that's a mission strip. Mm-hmm. He said those words to me. That's a mission strip. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go on the mission strip and be useful. Yeah. And I'm like, man, 
Maybe that's a more godly man than I am. Maybe that's why I don't have chronic pain because God know that I would be like the kid on the ground. <laughs> oh, why me? Yeah. Why me? Reminds me of the uh, wise Tim Manzer that's joined us a, oh, yeah. a time or two on this legend. podcast. The legend. And uh, the quote of all of it from him that has stuck with me um, in the midst of all the time that I've known him and is just the quote of, God, don't waste my pain. Don't let me waste this pain you've given don't me. Don't waste my pain. Yeah. yeah. And so – yeah, I think the reality is um, life is hard and God is good. And those are two things that can exist at the same time and yeah. uh, not necessarily always. Um, it doesn't change the reality of it. And so, yeah, Tab family, this was a tough episode, but I think a good one. Got something else? Yeah, just one, just yep. just to tag on to that. Um, not only did Jesus die for our pain and suffering, mm-hmm. but remember, he promised all this will end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That there like the big perspective hope um sin evil suffering someday will be completely ended mm, and the yeah. only way that can happen is cuz the ultimate pain the ultimate suffering um was what happened to Christ on a cross yeah. and because he defeated satan sin pain and death not because not because he toughed it out right like like we can make that mistake yeah. no uh, he died as a result of his pain. Yeah. But because he crossed over and came out on the other side victorious, not only can we be victorious, but one day all of human history, that pain and that suffering will be wiped out forever mm-hmm. and ever. So there's hope. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it isn't just a big Debbie Downer here. Yeah. There is hope. Yeah. That's I the think perspective. Too, I think there's gifts in the midst of it. Like, yeah, in those moments you learned about Adam and Bill's pain, but God also provided for you now pain for the future that is being friends with Adam and Bill. Yeah. Your pain in COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Through that, you met your wife. <laughs> right? Uh, and there is hope, literally. Uh, her name is Hope. I needed that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, God's like, hey, there's Hope. She's right over there. Did you ever <laughs> tell her to do the dishes? <laughs> did Did you ever tell her about that ser- sermon where the main point was hope? That that you were like, oh, I'm sitting right next. Oh to yeah. Her. Oh yeah. <laughs> she kept nudging me. Yeah. Yeah. I See, am your only hope. I no. am your only hope. Your only hope. Your only hope. Oh, I love it. John's favorite joke he's ever said was, "We met a boy from Oklahoma who was hopeless." But now there's hope when he was telling him yeah. that I got engaged. I like it. Love it. Celsius? Is it because it says burns fat on there? No, it's oh. just delicious. Is it? It's delicious. I still love the others. Yeah. The, the You know, the big tall guy, yeah. but they're a little fizzy. Mm. These are just, there's a little flatter. Yeah, essential mm. energy accelerates metabolism. Essential oil in that? I don't That's know. It says burns drug. body fat. That's not happening. Essential oil is a gateway but drug. But this is mango passion fruit. Benji, what are you into delicious. lately? Nothing. Just Coke? Do you still drink the coffee cokes? No, no you're I, don't, off I, don't, that. I don't think they make those anymore. I think they discontinued. Uh, I actually like those. They were a little those sweet. Those were good. Yeah. Those were good. But God loves your mom. Back when I was on the caffeine. Back when I was on the – dude, yeah. your coffee, I'm just going to say it, Tab Family. Like, Adam's coffee smells like a fart, and this whole <laughs> podcast has been miserable next to that thing. <laughs> oh, why do you do that? The like, worst what's smelling. Is, it says, that, what's, that is the girliest mug I've ever seen. God, the first time I ever saw it, I thought it said, God loves your mom, and so we're going to make shirts now. Here's, God loves your mom. Thumbnail for, uh, God loves your mom. There you mom. go, Lily. Yeah. <laughs> do not steal that. You heard it here first. Uh, trademarked, God Trademark, loves your mom. God yep. loves your mom. We're making shirts. Tab family. Uh yeah, until next time, we'll yep. uh, see you later. This is John, Benji, Adam, and Britton signing off. Mm-hmm.